0: It is my greatest joy to be here. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, we're home for, I shouldn't say home, we're in America, back in America. Really, Thailand is our home now. Uh, I, we, we tell our kids all the time, like, we are going to go visit Grandma and Grandpa and some churches, but we'll come home soon. We'll come home because uh, we really believe God's called us there. I, I still pray that uh, God would let me grow old and faithful in Thailand. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting emotional right now, but I am really thankful for the opportunity to preach and and share with you what God's doing. It is, it's so exciting. It's so exciting. So we are uh, the Mishalaks. Obviously, uh, my three children and my beautiful wife cannot be here because my daughter woke up with a 102 temperature this morning, and we said, we don't want to, we want to share a lot of things, but not whatever she has. So they stayed home uh, in uh, Stillman Valley, temporarily. Um, but we're here in Thailand. Um, as you can see right there, Thailand is south of China. Let's zoom in a little bit here. Getting a little bit closer south. Th- there we go. Okay. So Thailand is that, uh, it's kind of hard to see. I don't know if you guys can actually see it real well, but uh, that red dot is where we live uh, on the other side of the planet. Um, we are serving in Udantani, Thailand. Um, Just a little bit about Thailand, you got 69 million people in the whole country, um, but almost all of them are Buddhist. They've been Buddhist for generations, so to be born a Thai is to be born a Buddhist. Like, they just are all Buddhists, except for down in the south. uh, They've had some Muslim progress there, so about 4% um, have converted to worship Allah, But less than 1% uh, even claim to be Christian, and that's with the Catholics and everybody lumped in there. So it it is staggering how little growth, even though Christianity's been in Thailand for uh, over 60 years. Uh, Like I said, we're serving in Udantani. It's about 430,000 people. It's one of the fastest, fastest growing regions in Thailand. It's why my school chose this city to start a school uh, again, less than 1% Christian, um, and really low education. One-third of the 15-year-olds are functionally illiterate, so you have just a really low education, um, but there's still a, a great need for higher education, and there's a great need for the gospel. Um, but we've already seen progress, so we've only been there three years, and we've already seen three evangelical churches being uh, purchasing property to build new buildings, like, one, two of them outgrew their building, and one is a church plant, like a sister church from one of these uh, churches that is outgrown their building. So we're already watching the gospel grow in the, in the Thai community. These are Thai pastors who have been there and are serving, and uh, the gospel's growing through them. And we've seen several gospel communities already started. Uh, one through the church that I attend has started a gospel community. Um, we 'll say it 's a church plant they 've got a church sign, but <laughs> they need well they need their little babies right now so this is uh, this is Udantani. Uh you see temples everywhere I mean it is like uh, so mcdonald 's here You can think of how often how long does it take you to drive to mcdonald 's uh, it 's you, you double it and that 's how many temples are in Udantani. there 's just temples everywhere everybody 's worshiping idols. They're going there every day they're offering their juice and their incense and they're praying to uh, the spirits and to buddha and hoping for wisdom and a better life and blessing Um, so when we read the ten commandments and it says something about making idols like this is this is reality for us this is a spirit house that they put in to to hopefully the spirits will move into this house and be happy and they'll decorate this little place to try and appease the spirits because we, they want a good life, and the spirits have some control over whether their crop crops grow or whether they get a fever that day or whatever, so they've got to appease the spirits, and, uh, and so they pray to them. This is right out my front gate. This is every, every morning, 7 o'clock. Well, it's actually 6.30. 6.30, uh, my neighbor, uh, the monks walk around the whole neighborhood every morning, and people offer them food and the monks will say so will chant some prayer to them and they'll bow and they'll, they'll receive this blessing from a demon that their that their world would be good that day that their life would be happier that day and it is heartbreaking to wake up sometimes to the sound of this chant So this is what I think God's called us to. This is what we've been involved in the last three years. Uh, It's kind of three sections, international community school. Uh, That's what's paying the bills. Thank God uh, we've had some really brilliant people to open the school, uh, to make it a financial model so that we can get paid and have health insurance and live there uh, with visas. It has caused no great lengths of stress for us with visas before we got under the uh, school visa, and now it is, it's is—it's a—it's a 30-minute a trip every 90 days. It's really beautiful. Uh, I teach Bible and music there, um, uh, Bible class, chapel, world religions, biblical worldview, all of elementary music, uh, all of secondary music. It's a lot. Uh, someday they'll hire someone else to do some of that, but for now, it's just me. The school's only been open for two years. Um, but here's what's exciting. Okay, so School's open. We're having Buddhists come in. Buddhists have to sit under the teaching of the Bible. But also, we're having missionary families move to Udon to send their kids to the school. So, I I know personally of at least four families who uh, had lived out in the villages of Thailand, trying to plant churches, and the, the difficulty and the spiritual pressure and the the tension of having to live out there, they were all burned out on the edge of just going back to their home field. They told me this personally. They're like, we we were at our wits' end, we were gonna leave, we we're gonna go home. But we heard ICS was opening, we heard this Christian school was opening in Udan, and we said, Okay, we can do that. We can do that. So they moved to Udan, their kids are in school, and they're getting this like community of Christian support that like energizes them enough to stay in the field. 17 families. 17 or 18? 18. 18 families. Like, so now the total of families, evangelical Christian families, that are missionaries in Udantani is now 20 families. So thinking about the impact that this school has had is just amazing. Really, really beautiful. Uh, the church we attend is Udon City Church. Um, I'm preaching there every fifth Sunday. I'm still doing it in English. Uh, we did go early, you guys helped us get over there a year early to learn Thai. And that has been invaluable. Um, I'm able to have conversations on a basic level with everybody I meet. Um, I'm having, able to have extended conversations with very patient Thai people. Um, and we we are so thankful for the part that you guys played in getting us over there. Um, but my Thai is not good enough to preach, so I still preach through a translator. But it's good enough to teach children's church, so we're teaching uh, Sunday school lessons to kids Um at least once a month. Uh, we're, we're being faithful. We're connected in as much as we can. We're there every week. Uh, I don't understand a lot of what he says in the sermons, but we feel like our faithfulness and our presence has already really helped uh, the church energy and the church growth. So, um, I mentioned before they're planting this new church. They're, they're reaching out to their community, and we want to be as involved. You'll see some pictures of that in a second. Um, and then there's also this evangelical Christian community um, for whatever reason, ICS has been this bastion of like it 's this neutral ground, so you have missionaries from all different mission boards that can connect there, and then you have pastors from all different like uh, groups that feel like they can connect in with ICS so like we 're really a big connector, our family is especially a big connector of of missionary families and of missionaries and of Thai pastors so uh, we're really thankful for that opportunity. Um, ICS is really my main job. So I'm working there five days a week. It's a lot, uh, but we're, we've been offering in Bangkok a high-quality education since 93. Um, and then they just planted a new church, sorry, a new school two years ago in Udantani. But almost all the students are Buddhist or animist, which means that you believe in spirits and there's ghosts everywhere and... Uh, you have to appease the spirits. But our campus already has 150 students, year two. Um, we're about 24 students away from breaking budget, which is crazy that we're able to, within such a short time, uh, start paying our own bills. Um, and as I mentioned, 18 families have moved to, to the school. So here's the my children in front of the the crest of the school. is out the front gate. This is our staff. Um, there's a really good staff that God has brought. This is from my middle school music class. I'm teaching how to play ukulele. Um, This is in chapel. Every week they sit and have a lesson from the Bible. These Buddhists have to listen to us talk about Jesus and give them the gospel every week uh, and try to help them navigate uh, the complexities of middle school and of high school and point them to uh, Jesus for the answers to that. Um, After chapel, we have small groups, so we, we, preach to them, and then we sit them down, and we chat in a small group session about what the sermon was about, and ask them questions personally, and then try to engage with their life a bit more. Um, And then we also have Bible class. I'm teaching Bible class to middle school. Uh, Right now, they're, this picture, they're studying the Proverbs, and they're taking a proverb, and they're matching it with, like, how they would apply it to themselves. Okay, so this is a proverb, and how do I apply it? And they have to, like, figure out how to match all those things. Um, here they're doing a reader's theater on the prodigal son. Uh, one of the most exciting things about the school is these student-led Bible studies that are popping up. We've got some quality missionary kids who are leading Bible studies, and there's two young ladies there. I don't know if you can see the top left. Um, I'll talk about them a little bit more in a second, but they, they've come to believe in jesus through the witness of the teachers and their friends and this bible study that they decided to be christians um even to the point that they become christians and then like okay i'm afraid to tell my parents because it's a big deal for us to leave our family religion and choose to follow jesus and they both now have told their parents and like are moving on in uh, in that relationship so it's just amazing really beautiful and exciting this is my middle school. Man, I miss these guys already. But seeing each of their faces and know, like, each one of these, I'd say there's probably five or six Christian students, maybe. Maybe four Christian students in this picture. And the rest are unbelievers. And they need, they need Jesus. Uh, this is that girl I mentioned, okay? So these are the people, if you're thinking about praying for ICS, uh, pray for D and Pia. Okay, Dee accepted Jesus, and she uh, wants to follow him. Piyang is the opposite. She has she has chosen, her twin, has chosen uh, not just to be, like, to be as atheist as they come. She's, like, writing curse words in people's yearbooks and stuff. Like, so uh, God has moved them away from the school at the end of this year. We want more time with her to give her more Christian community, but uh, they're leaving. And so we pray that God keeps her faith uh, strong. This is Sang. She knew a little bit about the gospel before she came, but hearing it, like watching her heart warm to the gospel and believe in Jesus has been so refreshing. We're just praying that God grows her and strengthens her as a believer. Uh, This is Bua. She is a uh, she's in ninth grade now, she loves ICS. She told me, my dream is to work here at ICS. And I was like, well, you should. And she said, well, you guys only hire Christians, and I'm not a Christian. I said, not yet. And she got this weird look on her face like, I don't know what that means. And so pray for Bua. We would love to see Bua's heart warm to the gospel Um, as she's warm to the community of christians and loving us and loving what we do and loving chapel and loving the teaching of the word but uh just no faith yet so praying that Bua sees the light of the gospel pray for time he graduated last year uh found jesus via wikipedia and um was a great challenge to me and my faith and we keep in touch uh, praying that he stays faithful for the gospel. And here's one of our staff members. Uh, she was diagnosed with uh, cancer. Um, she had she was given a year to live, three years ago. And uh, she is slowly just losing uh, her ability to work and her ability to uh, go to day-to-day, her little uh, first grader. And her husband will be very sad if that day comes when she leaves them, but she's leaving a big hole, so you can pray for Bo as well. Uh, this is Udon City Church. Um, I, love this. I love this group of people. Uh, this is where we're teaching children's church. Uh, we're doing some dances for some kids' songs in Thai, which we're still learning and trying to understand. Um, lots of coloring and lots of uh, stories about Jesus and lessons and songs and uh, lots of laughs. Uh, this is me preaching through the translators I mentioned every fifth Sunday. Uh, the pastor would love for me to preach more, um, but school is really my main, it, it consumes so much of my time. So I'm, I said every fifth Sunday I think is a good, it's a good path for me. Uh, This is us reaching out to the community. We had a Christmas celebration time uh, where over a hundred people came to our campus and played games and heard a Bible lesson. Um, This is one of the baptisms we had at church. Amy's taking the offering. This is me teaching a group of teens. Uh, Our church has a dearth of missionary families because of uh, several different scenarios. So uh, there's several missionary teen kids that I have an opportunity to teach occasionally. Um, COVID hit Thailand really hard. Thailand is a really poor community, so there were many, many, many communities within 10 minutes of my house that were literally starving, like did not have food if they couldn't grow it themselves. Uh, So we did several food drives, uh, preparing bags of rice, delivering them. And in one of those communities that uh, you see them delivering food to, uh, they started a church. That's this church that I was telling you. So these people are meeting every Saturday night. Um, You see my pastor there in the plaid, uh, just helping this small body of believers start. They've already baptized, I think, 12 of these people. Um in this small village the village is probably like 100 people and 12 of them have already uh, Chosen to follow jesus Uh, and even a few men. So we're praising god for that Here's a picture of them like trying to learn christian songs and trying to teach each other how to sing like Their eyesight isn't good, but they're (laughs) they're doing their best just Uh singing praises to jesus Uh eating food together. You see my pastor there again um the missionaries there are already starting to plant deep roots and reach their communities. Uh, this is just a, a nightly Christmas—a night party that he had around Christmas time. one of our missionary friends to his neighborhood. Uh, this is something I do every week. I play soccer with a bunch of uh, some Thai pastors, some unbelievers. That's one of the Thai pastors. It's his outreach ministry. So to connect with people, to bring them into church, to invite them to— uh, to his body. So I play with them every week, practice my tie. There's us playing the Catholics, and they, they beat us really badly. Um, you can pray for Duncan. Okay, so he's one of my my best uh, Thai pastor friends. Uh, he works for ICS. He speaks no English whatsoever. So all of our relationship is my broken tie, and uh, he's he's planning a, a new church. His church has outgrown his living room. He just bought some property, and he's raising funds to to build a building that they can meet in, a very modest, modest building. Uh, You can pray for our relationship with this girls' home. Uh, There's a Girls for Rescue girls very close to our house. Amy's been over there several times. We've spent several celebrations, birthday parties, and uh, Christmases with them, uh, trying to encourage them and help the girls uh, know that they're loved. So thank you for praying for us. Thank you for loving us and welcoming us back. We are so thankful uh, for what God's doing. And I hope that uh, as you guys think of Thailand and you think to pray for us, uh, that God warms your heart to know, like, God is working. He's really working a mighty a mighty work in Udantani, and he's—everything that you guys prayed would happen through us and through the school has just doubled and grown. Like, he's surpassed our expectations of what we prayed for. It's surprising. I know you're all shocked to know that our God has uh, exceeded our expectations— But uh, do praise him as you think about it. Um, Let me transition to uh, what naturally follows praising God for what he's done and and opening his word. So would you turn with me to Galatians chapter 5? And as you're turning, I'm going to take a survey, but don't raise your hands, okay? So you can mentally raise your hands, and I'm going to pretend that you're raising your hands, but don't raise your hands, okay? You got that? Don't raise your hands. Okay, um, as as you're not raising your hands, imagine the temptation it would be to lie about these things, or the temptation to look around at who else, who's raising their hands for this. Ready? How many of you ever mowed your neighbor's grass? Okay, good group of you. Uh, given money in the offering? All of you, good job. Way, way to go. Uh, how many of you volunteered at a rescue mission or a food bank? Yeah, good, okay. Uh, how many of you have given money to a poor person in the last week? Okay. How many of you have uh, sponsored a child in an impoverished country? Yeah, still several of you. Good, good. Uh, how many of you have donated your house to charity? Just one. Okay, that's good though. One. Uh, how many of you have negotiated peace between two parties who were fighting? That you've been this middle person. You've come in. You've helped them. Anybody? Yeah, okay, several of you. Good, good. Uh, how many of you have ever started a nonprofit and that nonprofit's like helping hundreds of homeless people? Yeah, just none of you. Okay, so uh, now imagine if that happened. You'd be looking around like, wow, okay, so we got some good people here. Let's flip it over a little bit. How many of you ever lied before? Good, all of you. Thank you for raising your hands. Nah, not raising your hands. Uh, how many of you have ever stolen something? Mm hmm. How many of you ever gotten a traffic ticket? Yeah. Mm hmm. How many of you ever lied to a police officer to get out of a traffic ticket? Uh huh. Yeah. Cheated on your taxes? Mm hmm. Yeah. How many of you ever looked at pornography? Mm hmm. Killed someone? Okay. Cheated on your spouse? How many of you have ever gone to prison? How many of you are on parole right now? Okay, now imagine if I was actually having you raise your hands. Would you be tempted to lie about some of those? Yeah. Would you be tempted to look around like, who who did they? Yeah. You see, like we tend to have this inescapable itch to know about people to label people, okay? How, how differently would you look at somebody if you knew they'd started a charity? Like, wow, that's pretty amazing. Or traveled the world digging wells for uh, impoverished countries. What about if you found out that they had a criminal history or they were on the sex offenders list? It, it would change how you see them. Okay, we tend to label people based on what they've done. And we tend to label ourselves, too, based on what we've done. Some of us give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Like, we're pretty good people. We try to do a lot of good things. Uh, some of us are, tend to be the opposite in some ways, that we tend to give ourselves... Uh, we see ourselves as not-so-good people, and we're trying to constantly do good things to validate that we are good people. But we just keep cycling. You see, in, in general, we're free to make our own choices about how we see people. And how we see ourselves. There's there's some freedom in how we see others. We choose to like someone whether well we choose whether to like someone or not. What do they do? What do they not do? What do we believe about what they've done? What do we believe about what they say to us or the gossip we hear about them? Okay, we also choose to think positively or negatively about ourselves. We make an identity for ourselves based on what we choose to believe, what we choose to believe about ourselves. So, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, he addresses the importance of freedom in the gospel, okay? The gospel frees us from equating what we've done with who we are, okay? The gospel frees us from equating what we've done with who we are. See, who we are in Christ is not based on our actions, Paul is really clear about this. It's it's based on our faith in what Jesus has done for us, not on what we've done for ourselves. Who we are in Christ is based on what Jesus has done for us. So we're going to kind of skip through Galatians. Uh, I would just open the whole thing for you today, but we'll run out of time. But let's kind of skip through and and focus on how God links our freedom— and our works, and our salvation altogether. We'll eventually land on chapter 5, fruit of the Spirit, Um, but out of the gate, here's the big point that I think uh, Paul is trying to make, one of the big points he makes in Galatians. Use your freedom to submit to the Spirit. Okay, so if you want the big point, there it is. Use your freedom to submit to the Spirit. If you've got it, I really think that's all you need, but I'll unpack it for those of you, well, for those of us who need to kind of see Paul say it a little bit clearer. So number one, okay, the gospel brings freedom. Gospel brings freedom. Now, I love how Paul starts Galatians. He gives this like little brief, grace and peace to you from God to the churches of Galatia. And then what does he do? By verse six, did you open to Galatians? You You might not know what he does. So if you don't have Galatians open, you want to open it and make sure that you're looking. Uh, chapter 1, he, he just gives this brief introduction. And then by verse 6, he just says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. You're turning to a different gospel. Okay, Now, you, you kind of get the impression that when Paul was sitting down to write this letter, that's where he started. And then after he wrote the whole letter, he kind of came back and like, okay... I, Grace and peace to you guys, too. Like, we're going to, we're going to say, have you ever had a conversation with somebody where it kind of seems like they're kind of skipping through the initial formalities because they got something they got to say to you? It's kind of the impression you get with Paul here. Like, they're just like, "Uh, okay, yeah, have you you had a good day? Good. Did you get enough sleep last night? Good. Okay. I've got a problem that I want to get to. Okay. Paul's like, okay, blessings, grace. I'm not saying he's being disingenuous in his greeting, but he's going to bring this big, big problem to them and saying, you have abandoned the gospel. Stop it. Stop it. It's really important that you get the gospel right. Okay, so he finds out that, that they've, they've been taking the gospel, which says that a person is saved by their faith in Jesus Christ, right? That's the gospel. Okay, so you were saved by believing in Jesus and they're taking, and they're saying, and by following the law of Moses. And Paul's like, what? No! It's not the law of Moses. Okay, no! No! Okay, you don't, you're not saved by following the law of Moses. So he, he spends the next couple chapters emphasizing, okay, the gospel does not include submission to the law. The gospel does not mean that you are, have to, that you have to obey the law. The gospel is not about this. He's like, remember I went to Jerusalem Remember, I had this big fight with the apostles. Remember, I opposed Peter, the Peter, to his face and said, uh, the gospel here is not about the law. And remember, we all agree that this is truly the gospel. It doesn't include submitting to the law of Moses. Okay, it is about freedom. So look at chapter 2. And he introduces this idea of freedom in verse 4. And he, and he says that by adding requirements to the gospel, you're actually abandoning the very thing the gospel brings, freedom, and you're putting yourself into slavery. Who wants to do that? So look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 4. He says, yet, because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that he might bring us into slavery, we didn't yield to them for even a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So he talks about this, like, covert spy mission of these false brothers, and they're going to come in, and they're going to, like, add to the gospel, and it's going to look really good, especially to Jews, okay? These spies aren't dumb, okay? They're smart. They're going to make it look really palatable that the gospel and the law. This is God. This is the same Yahweh. Yahweh's doing this thing. He's been doing this for generations and generations and generations, so we're just going to keep doing it, and Paul's like, no, they don't add to the gospel, Look down to verse 19. He takes this comparison to the next level. First, it's just about freedom and slavery. Okay, don't let go of your freedom and submit to slavery. He he takes it to the next level. Look at this. Verse 19 of chapter 2. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live. To God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Okay, so first it's about freedom and slavery, and he's like, oh, it, it actually is worse. It's about life and death. Perverting the gospel actually gets you death. Okay, when you add to the gospel, You actually make it a no gospel. You actually bring to yourself death. He's dead to the demands of the law, but he's alive to Christ. Ironically, he's alive to Christ because he died with Christ. But that's Paul loving to spin and twist and make things all come together. So the gospel brings freedom great freedom. Now, how do you get this freedom? Okay, point number two, spiritual life and freedom come through faith in the gospel. Okay, this is kind of an important distinction that Paul's going to make that's going to put chapter 5 in context when we get there. Okay, the gospel is not about making ourselves righteous. It's about Christ living in us. Okay, the song we sang today, Christ living in me. Lord, I need you. I confess. Bowing here. I I need you, God. I'm free from having to work for my own stuff. It's you living in me. And I love the famous verse that that we just read. It's no longer I who live, verse 20 but it's Christ who lives in me. Is that that how you think about your life? It's not actually me living. It's it's Christ energizing me. It's Christ's life. It's Christ's choice. So you guys know the phrase, Jesus, take the wheel. It's wonderful, right? It's terrible driving advice. Please, please don't ever close your eyes and just take your hands off the wheel and and pray at the moment you're driving. Please keep your hands on the wheel. But for your life, okay, if you're imagining driving through life, you can be saying, Jesus, it is your choice what happens here. I want to follow your leading and your guidance and your way. So Jesus, take the wheel of my life and guide me through life. It's not me who's living and making choices. Jesus, it's you. So remember, this, this freedom is, is freedom. It's not paralyzing. Okay, so some of you may be tempted to uh, wake up in the morning and sit at breakfast and bite your nails because you, you're praying, Jesus, please tell me, should I eat cornflakes or should I eat frosted flakes this morning? Like, Jesus, tell me what to do. Tell me, guide me, guide me. Jesus, okay, so please don't, don't get caught up in this. Like, the freedom that Jesus' gospel brings doesn't paralyze us into not making decisions. Okay, But it is this mindful purposefulness Okay, that, that we're living and looking to God for answers, constantly looking to God for answers. So he's going to clarify this connection that we have with God. Okay, what does this look like? Okay, so this freedom that comes, the gospel brings freedom, and and we need to, like, let Jesus live through us. What does that look like? So he's going to clarify that a bit in chapter 3. this connection with the Spirit, he calls it faith. You guys know what faith is, right? Anybody in here have faith? You can raise your hands for this one. Anybody in here have faith? Yes! Fantastic! I knew I came to the right church. We are believing that Jesus is the Messiah, right? Okay. So this connection we have to God is faith. We believe that God has done what He said in the Word. We believe that He has saved us not by our own works, not by anything we've done, but by Him. Not by obeying the law, but by His death and resurrection. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 2. (laughs) right after right he's still kind of on a tirade verse one like foolish Galatians who's bewitched you okay but look at verse he says in verse two let me ask you this did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith okay they're all they're all like okay well we've received the spirit by faith yes okay Paul we we have received the spirit by faith he's like are you so foolish You've begun in the spirit, but now that you're like now that you're a Christian, now you're being perfected by your own good works. No, why? He's like, why would it work out that way? Of course not. Okay, how do you get closer to God? You do a lot of good things, right? No, (laughs) you didn't. You didn't become a Christian by by doing good things. Why do you think that doing good things makes you a better Christian? It's your faith. It's your walking with God. It's your relationship with God. So he's, he's freeing us. This is the freedom. It's freeing us from this thinking that our good works make us close to God. That our good deeds make God happier. You know, before you get, we'll, we'll come back to that. Okay, so do you see what he says verse 2? Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of the faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Now, from everything that we've read so far, Paul's been talking about the law, the law, the law, the law, the law. You expect him to say, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the law? Right? That's kind of what you would expect him to say, but he doesn't. He he says... Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Okay, and, and this is a really important thing for us today because I don't think that you guys are um, really tempted this morning to fulfill the laws of the Pentateuch. Did you guys read Deuteronomy this morning? You're like, oh, man. Okay, wife, no bacon. Can't do it. Cloven hooves. Can't do it. Okay, I don't think that's our temptation Okay, and so if we, if we just stopped with Paul's n- no law, no law, no law, we're like, okay, well, we're good because we don't trust in the law. But he doesn't say the law here. He says your flesh, your own efforts, your own works, your own desire to do good things and to do bad things. Okay, are you being perfected by your own efforts? No. Of course not. Of course not. We're being perfected by faith. Martin Luther's favorite verse, chapter 4, verse 11. I feel like I have that verse wrong. How are the righteous living by? Living by their works, living by their actions, living by their obedience to the law, where does the eternal life in us that springs up into this wellspring of joy and happiness and eternal life, where does it come from? It comes from our faith in God. It comes from the Spirit. So this is going to be crucial to what Paul's going to say because he's going to continue on this theme of slavery and freedom and slavery and freedom through chapter 4. And... Uh, after receiving Christ, some Christians really liked going back to the law. And Paul had a big problem with it because they're like, okay, I'm Christian, but I really want to still do the law things. I still want to... And he's like, you're free from that. And they're like, yeah, but I really like, I really like how I feel when I obey the law. Paul's like, okay. Um, look at verse 1 of chapter 4. I mean that an heir as long as he is a child is no different than a slave okay those he's the owner of everything and he, he says okay you are an heir of God you are an heir of christ like you can you can go back to your schoolmaster all you want but when you do just know that you are submitting to slavery again okay know that you are abandoning the law he actually goes uh, another step further in chapter five if you want to Skip down to chapter 5. He says, Christ has set you free for freedom. He didn't set you free for slavery. So if you're going back to that old way of thinking, if you're going back to the things that you used to do, you're missing out on the very thing God was doing in you in the first place. He did you for freedom, He saved you and made you an heir to be free. But if you really want, if you really want to go back to it, what do you get? You see verse four. If you really want to go back to all the law stuff, if you really want to go back to thinking that you can earn your own salvation, uh, you can just get four. You are severed from Christ. Oh, you, you're oh severed. Yeah, you know what severed means. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, just severed. You have Christ, and he's like, oh, you want to go back to the law? You want to go back to your old way of thinking? Okay, you can. Just cut yourself off from God. Okay, it, you're, you're disconnecting yourself from the source of your life, of that faith. So does the law actually save? No, it's slavery. Does doing good things, really good things, does that save? No, it brings Obligating yourself to doing good things is a form of slavery. It doesn't merit favor with God. Okay, so we started talking about the gospel. It includes freedom. Okay? Freedom from the obligation, obligation to earn our salvation. We're free. We don't have to. You don't have to do good things. Isn't that great? Doesn't that feel good? Whew, don't have to do any good things, and you can be a Christian. Number three, truly, fee, truly free people submit to the Spirit. Truly free people submit to the Spirit. Okay, now, we're not fighting the exact same theological fight that the Galatians were having. We, we don't have the same expectations to follow the Mosaic Law, but we are concerned with freedom, No? We got freedom ingrained in this country from our youth, right? You, most of us would generally agree with Jefferson's quote. They all men are created equal, and we're endued with these inalienable rights. What are they? Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? Okay, as an American, you feel like, yeah, that's what we we are deserved this from like we're owed this from life. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, uh, so life, freedom, and happiness, joy. Now, it's not from the Bible, but these concepts of eternal life, of freedom, and of this true joy is right here in Galatians. And Paul says, this is what you need to want. You should want these things. You should want this eternal life. You should want this freedom in Christ. And you should want this joy that comes through knowing that you don't have to earn it. Look at verse 13, what he says. Okay, you're called to freedom, brothers. Okay, so you can all say, whew, called to freedom. I do not have to work any good things for Jesus. Verse 13, only... Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So, so in Paul's mind, like freedom is something to cling on to. Like he's emphasizing over and over again. Cling on to this freedom. It's yours. It's yours. If you, if you do something else, you're throwing away why God saved you, this freedom in Christ. So you're free, so be free. But he says, truly free people uh, are, are free to be the good people. We're free to not be the good people. We don't have to give money to the poor. We don't have to go to church. We don't have to give money to the church. We don't have to love anyone to be a Christian. You don't have to. You're free. It's true. So does this freedom make you feel uncomfortable? I don't like that he said that. <laughs> pastor he just said he doesn't we don't have to give any money to the church is that i mean is that really in here yeah it's it's really that's what paul's saying he's saying it over and over again so does it make you feel uncomfortable does it does it make the emphasis does it feel the emphasis on this it's okay to not do these things and still go to heaven does it seem too much or does it validate you maybe maybe you're on the other side of the coin that you're like oh Okay, well, good because I haven't been doing any of those things, and I'm really glad that I'm free to not do those things. Okay, maybe you're on the other side of the coin. Okay, but make sure we read the rest of the verse. Okay, don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. Through love, serve. And you're like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew there was a catch, right? No, 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 no. There's not a catch. Okay, that's what Paul's emphasizing. That's true freedom but in your freedom be a servant. Hmm. Does it sound like anybody that you know who came and was free to crush the world with a breath? But instead of crushing the world, he let the world crush him. He was free to make a choice, but he chose to serve. So, I I think in our hearts, we'd, we'd probably start to disagree with Paul. We'd be like, Paul, okay, if it's real freedom, stop putting restrictions on it, right? Stop, stop putting qualifications on our freedom. Like, we're truly free, and, but Paul is not putting qualifications on it, okay? He's making it clear to you that you know that you're truly free as long as you see yourself as free. Remember we started with how you perceive yourself? We started with, who do you think you really are? What things have you done, and what things haven't you done? Okay? Paul's saying, you, the way you see yourself, okay, your identity of who you are is not wrapped up in what you do. You're truly free. And when in that freedom, in that freedom, you don't have to do anything to get merit with God. You are an heir with Christ. But just because freedom is true, it it doesn't make it easy. It doesn't make it easy to embrace and accept our freedom. Uh, Consider people who've been in prison a really long time. So the the man who holds the Guinness World Record served 69 years in prison. 69 years. Uh, Paul Guidel went to prison in 1911 as a 17-year-old initially sentenced to 20 years to life for a murder. Um, But after about six years in prison, he was declared mentally insane. Uh, So he went to the insanity ward for seven years and then got moved back, uh, came to his right mind again, and back in the general prison. Well, after about 63 years of being incarcerated, they offered him parole. They said, okay, it's time. You got to go back out into society. Well, would you believe it in nineteen seventy four they offered Paul parole and he said, "No thanks i'm happy right where I'm at. I have no desire after sixty three years to see what the world is like or to live in the world or to be outside these walls uh, They gave him another six years to think about it and then basically kicked him out through some lawyerly stuff and uh he even though he believed he was too institutionalized he lived for seven more years in a nursing home until he died on May 8th, 1980. Uh, In general, most inmates want to get out of prison, right? They don't want to be there. They feel incarcerated. But when you're in something for a long time and you think a certain way a long time and you've crafted your identity around that way of thinking, uh. You kind of struggle to find a new identity you struggle to find a new way of thinking not not just in the minds not just in your mind okay but in the mind of people around you okay like if someone was in our meeting today and they'd been in prison for 30 years like we'd embrace them as a brother or sister in christ but it would change the way we perceive them And it it would be difficult for them to get a job, and it would be difficult for them to know what to do with life, because it's just totally different from what it was before. Okay? In a sense, our life before we became followers of Jesus Christ is this incarceration. But, But some of us don't want to leave. And some of us have been thinking this way about our own good works and about our own actions that we're actually earning our salvation. We've been doing it so long that the idea of freedom to really follow Christ and be free is just something we don't really want. We aren't really sure we, we could make it on the side of true freedom. We've got to bind ourselves in this box and say, God will only love me if I do these things. And Paul says, no, no. You really, truly are free, and it's in that freedom of choosing to serve others and to obey God that you demonstrate the life that's in you. So, we've got to claim our freedom. Claim it regularly. Act like we're free. But here's the kicker for Paul. Acting like you're free to sin and acting like you're free in Christ look very different. Okay, so he wants to explore this concept of what freedom looks like, and he points to the essence of Christian living, walking in the Spirit. You guys have heard this before, right? Walking in the Spirit. Anybody here want to walk in the Spirit? You can raise your hands for this one. Anybody here want to walk in the Spirit? Yeah, most of you. Okay, Uh, it's good. Walk in the Spirit. If If you flip down to verse 16, it says, walk in the Spirit then you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. You think you're free, but the only way to act free is to, to be led. So, in our freedom to go our own way, follow Jesus. In our freedom to identify ourselves by our own good works, Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. Let me define you. So, we start seeing Paul's claim that includes freedom, that the gospel, freedom comes through faith, that truly free people submit to the Spirit, it brings us to our last point, okay? Submitting to the Spirit changes our relationships, okay? Because when your life totally changes, your identity changes. When you're thinking about freedom changes, then you can finally treat others as a free person. So, Look at verse 19. He gives this list of the works of the flesh, okay, things that bring us a little happiness, uh, things that we look to for identity, things that put us as more important than others. Okay, and he says, if you live this way, verse 19, sexual, immoral, impure, sensual, idolatrous, practicing sorcery and enmity and strife and jealousy there's fits of anger, there's rivalries dissensions there's this division and envy and drunkenness and orgies and, and all this kind of stuff, he says I warn you, as I warn you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God okay, but you say I'm free to do these things? sure Okay, but in your freedom to do these things and still inherit eternal life, know that if you choose to do these things, you're not connected to Christ. You've severed yourself off from Him. You've found your identity somewhere other than Christ. Okay, the evidence, he says, of true freedom is not living this way. The evidence of true freedom is, verse 22, the fruit of the spirit of walking in the spirit is what what's the first one we can all say this first one together love not a beautiful thing that's where he starts okay you, you want to see if your freedom works look at your life and say where's where's the love Okay, and hopefully those rings of love for your family members, your immediate your children and your, hus- and your spouse and, and, and then it, it circles around to your neighbors and to your church family, and it circles around to your community and your coworkers and everything. And like are all those veins of relationships? Is it just love poured into those relationships? Do you want those people to succeed? Do you want to see them happy and healthy and well? Do you want to see them love Jesus? Okay. Are, are you full of joy? Are you a peaceful person? Is your life filled with patience and patience and patience? I'm probably the only one on here that needs patience, so you guys can probably skip over that one. But for all those normal people, patience is something that's really hard. So do you grit your fingers, you, you make a big fist, and you're like, I'm going to be patient today? Okay, is that what Paul says? Like, You have to be loving and joyful and peaceful for God to love you? No, we, we've got to get this mindset clear that in the freedom of Christ, this is what pours out. When we truly think we're free to do whatever we want, but we choose love and we choose to be patient, it's the Spirit working in us to do this kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He gets, against these things, he says, there's no law. You're free to do these things too. You're free to be full of the Spirit. So what, what does it look like? Okay, what does it feel like for you to walk in the spirit. I mean, if someone, if if an unbeliever, let's say you you travel with me to Thailand, and one of my high schoolers came up to you and they said, "Hey, I, I heard you're a Christian," and uh, Mr. Tim was talking about like walking in the spirit, and he says like like you let him guide you. What does that look like for you? What would you say? I I don't know if anyone's ever, ever asked you this question, but I would like to believe that you could say something about what it's like to find the path that God is leading for you, to follow an invisible deity, and to love him, and to want to be close to him. See, that's what's very different about animists and Buddhists and us. They have no desire to have a relationship, the idea of a relationship with their deity is like, they don't even think about that. And they certainly wouldn't want to be close and, like, be intimate with those spirits. They just, like, just bless me. Give me money. Make my plants grow. Okay? Let my boss get in a car accident today because I don't like him. Okay? Like, that's the kind of thing that they're like, spirits do this. But, like, us, we like, Jesus, I love you, and I, I want to talk to you today. Okay? So what would be your answer if, if they're asking you, what does your walk with God look like? What does it feel like when you go a day and you just forget to pray? You just forget. You're just so busy with the day, and in your habits, it just didn't come up. God just didn't come up today. When you think about him again, is it, is it this thirst? Or is it like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I should pray. Okay, this is my Bible. Okay, we got we to gotta be thinking about this. Do we yearn for him? Does our sensitivity to sin just keep going down and down and down the more we choose to sin? Do we fill up the place that should be for him in our hearts with hobbies and all sorts of other rituals that we do? Now We know the warning signs if he's missing. Okay, We have little of his love, and his peace is not really there, and we're not joyful people, and maybe we're just impatient people, and we're wrathful people, and we're Uh, drunkards and angry people. Remember, these signs aren't proof that you're a Christian, it's just as you're free in Christ, these are the things that pour out of you. But have you ever wondered, have you ever noticed as we're going through these things, uh, the fingerprints of the Spirit in our lives are almost all person-to-person relationships? I mean, if, if I was writing this, Paul, no offense, I would say the fruit of the Spirit is faith, right? Great faith. Faith warriors. He doesn't say that. He says the fruit of the spirit is to love each other and to have this joy. Peace. Okay, what kind of peace? Okay, peace from turmoil and peace between two fighting parties. Okay, patience. Patience in waiting for God and patience with your coworkers and your children okay we we give ourselves plenty of the benefit of the doubt we give ourselves plenty of grace but when we see how deeply the spirit loves us and how deeply the spirit wants to be our guide okay we can extend the same love we can leave our jealousy we can forgive and be generous we can forsake our strife with others and we can be patient with them. We can stop being so selfish about what we want out of life and we can pour out goodness on our frenemies, if you will. So the only way to live our life in freedom as the Spirit intends is to love others. Love others out of our love for the Spirit of Christ. So as we steadily walk with Jesus, we can steadily serve others. Uh, You dads out there, you ever experienced when your children were little? As they get bigger, it gets more painful, but they stand on the tops of your feet and hold your hands and you walk with them? You guys ever do this? No? Just me? Okay. Uh, My children are still pretty little, especially my youngest. He's five. And he does this every chance he can get. He wants to be close to me. He wants to grab my hands and he wants to stand on my feet. Now, When he's in that position, who's leading everything? Who decides where to go? Other than the pain in my feet, who decides? Me, I decide. I get to tell him, okay, we're going this way. Okay, and what does he do? He keeps in step with me. He's got to pick up his foot a little bit. If he just stiffens up, what's going to happen? He's going to fall off, right? Like, it's a little bit of a dance for him to stay on my feet and for me to help him stay on my feet and for us to walk together. Okay, so we're walking together, we're walking together, we're walking together. Okay, walking in the Spirit is a lot like that. Okay, that, that you're looking to God and you're saying, God, let me, let me hold your hands. Let me, let me have you guide me, and I just, I just want to walk wherever you're going to take me. And and I'm and I'm gonna hold on and it's gonna take effort on my part, but but God, you are the one that's guiding me forward and you're gonna take me wherever you want me to go. And I'm happy and willing and ready to go there, God. I want to stay walking in the Spirit. So how are you doing? How are you doing with uh keeping up with the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit today? Have you been using your freedom to follow the Spirit or be controlled by the Spirit, or are you pursuing the money, happiness that money brings and comfort and pleasure, the comfort that porn or drunkenness brings, the relationships that gossip brings? Do you find joy in fighting and being right and making a point? Okay, is is your day-to-day life just empty of God's voice? Okay, how much attention does He get in your day? How many mini prayers do you whisper throughout the day? So take Paul's checkup here. Look at the symptoms of a healthy walk. Is the love as evident to your neighbors? You making peace with gentleness? Are you faithful to what God's called you to do? Are you being patient with those who are driving you nuts? Okay, whatever you do, use the words of Paul today to cling to the Spirit. Okay, pray that he fills you with his power and his presence. Pray that he gives you humility to see others as better than yourself. Pray that he inspires you to use your freedom to be a servant. Use your freedom to be a servant to those around you. Okay, Because the sign that your Christian freedom is working is that you love others as you love yourself. So take a moment right now. Ready? Parents, children, everybody. Evaluate your relationship with God first and then with those around you. Okay, with God, be thankful. Be be thankful that he's given you freedom. You can thank him right now. God, thank you. Thank you for the freedom that you've given me. Thank you that you're only, only through your faith in the death of Jesus, you're saved. Thank him that he loves you, a sinner. He loves you. He loves you. Okay, then, okay, take a moment and think about the relationship that's hardest for you to act this way. Hardest for you to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit. You got that person in mind? You know who that is? You're like, I, I got so many I can't even pick. It's okay, just you narrow it down to two. Okay, maybe it's a coworker, a family member, maybe it's your next door neighbor. Think about that relationship and pray that God would help you apply your freedom to it, the freedom to love, the the freedom to show them the love of Christ, and then talk to them about it. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, the great Spirit, more powerful than the lusts of this flesh, more powerful than the demons in Thailand. God, we pray to you because we believe that you are worthy of praise. We believe that you are worthy of our worship. We believe in you because you've, you've changed us. You've given us life. You've warmed our hearts to this faith that we can never go back to unbelief. But God, it's so easy to get caught up in the stuff and the droll of this world. And God, we need the Spirit to energize us anew today. To choose to use our freedom to walk in the Spirit. To use our freedom to love. So we ask in Jesus' name that that we would not leave this place unreminded. That we must use our freedom to submit to the Spirit and love others. God, we pray that you would come quickly, fulfill your promise, do amazing things, make the the paths straight for your coming. And until you come, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would make us fruitful followers, that you'd grow the gospel here in Rockford, that you'd grow the gospel in Udantani and in Thailand. We want every tribe, we want every tongue and every nation to stand before the throne and say, holy, holy, holy is Jesus, Yahweh, our Lord, our God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And forever and ever and ever, we'll worship you in glory. We cannot wait for that day, but until you come, Lord Jesus, we pray to keep us faithful, keep us full of the Spirit, and keep us walking with him.